tonight. Amen. I want him to come. I want him to take his liberty tonight. And just obey the Holy Ghost. I love you, son. And I'm so glad that you are here tonight. Praise God. God bless you. Praise God. I'll be ready to see the bishop back up to 100% again. Amen. Praise God. I know he's ready. Amen. And then you don't have to put up with folks like me. Praise God. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I, uh, you can be seated for just a few moments. I will say, I do the right thing by saying thank you, Bishop, for inviting me. It is a true honor to fill this pulpit. And uh, I, this wasn't the pulpit, but this church was the first pulpit that I ever filled as a young man at a college graduation that I couldn't speak at. Look what God has done. Amen. Now you can't shut me up. <clears throat> Amen. The church sometimes wonders if their pastor is Pharaoh because I won't let God's people go. Amen. We transitioned this morning on our Sunday services. We do a adult Bible class at 10 and we have a break for prayer at 11 and then we have church at 1130. We didn't get out of church till 1 o'clock today. And uh, we had good church today. I'm thankful for that. God's doing good things. Amen. I never want to rush what the Holy Ghost has to do. Amen. I had you sit, seat, seated for just a moment because I, as we were worshiping, Brother Nelson grabbed the tambourine and my mind went to a passage of scripture. And... Uh, as I began to think about it, in Exodus we find a story about a time and place of the Israelites' tenure in Egypt. Thankfully, at this point, it was the last part of their tenure in Egypt. As they were slaves there, God had tried to reach Pharaoh multiple times, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened all of those times. We get down to the last plague that God sends, or, or judgment that God sends, however you want to look at it, and you find that Moses tells Pharaoh, God is going to show you that he can separate between, can I put it in my words, the holy and the unholy. He said, God is going to send a judgment this night, and it's going to consume every firstborn child in Egypt. But God's not going to touch his people, because God knows when to send judgment and how to send judgment in just the right manner. And I would say this, I don't want to focus on all that, but I would say this, if we look around in our life today and, and we look at uh, all the situations we find going on in this world that we live in, it could be very depressing, Brother Nelson, if that's all we focused upon. 
But let me tell you something. God hasn't changed from the days of the Israelites being delivered from Egypt to today. And God can still judge between the holy and the unholy. Those who are seeking after him and those who are not seeking after him. He can still pass the judgment accordingly. And there can still be a church in this day and hour. This isn't my message and we may get to that in just a moment. We'll see what God does here in just a second. But I, I, I tell you that as I began thinking about this passage of Scripture, I actually just in our Bible class this morning, something somebody asked me a question and I said, oh yeah. So I went through and started reading some passages from this. So that's why it's fresh on my mind. And, and I began reading through this. And, and you get to the end uh, um, in Exodus chapter number uh, 14, and you get down to verse number 21, uh, and you can read through the whole chapter for yourself, but I'm just trying to streamline this a little bit. The, the, the fear, fear set upon the people of God because they found themselves in yet another situation that they didn't really have an answer to, logically. Because they looked around them, they saw the cloud of dust raising in the horizon behind them. They looked in front of them and they see a massive Red Sea. And they look on either side and they, they realize we cannot pass that terrain. It's an impossibility. And they begin to think about, man, now we're just going to die. We were in Egypt. We were doing okay. Yeah, we were slaves. But now here we are. We're just going to die in the wilderness. Right here, right after we got out of the, out of the, 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 the land of captivity. And Moses went to the Lord. How many of you are thankful that you have a man of God who when things look impossible goes and talks to the Lord and he gets an answer from the Lord? Moses went and talked to the Lord and the Lord gave him some instructions and he went back to the people of the Lord and he said, hey, don't fear because the Lord is going to bring salvation today. I know I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot, but I'm trying to get to where I want to be at. As he walked to the banks of the Red Sea, the Bible says he lifted up his staff. And the sea parted. And a great wind came and parted the sea and dried the ground. And, and many of us know the story. The, the Israelites began the next morning, I believe it was, to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground with walls of water on either side. A miracle. A, 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 a feat of God. One that nothing in this world can replicate. Only God can do things like that. They walked across on dry land. And, and you're talking, uh, you're talking I, I want to say, around a million folks or so. With lots of people walking through the center of the Red Sea. And they get to the other side. And if my memory serves me right, they turned and they looked and they saw the Egyptians begin to pursue yet again. And no doubt fear, because people are people, all right? Fear begins to set in and they begin to think, man, God just delivers us and here we go again. We're, we're having another problem. I could get sidetracked right there. I'm going to be... I'm going to be good. I'm not the pastor here. 
Amen. But we, we can get sidetracked real easy because we're looking back over our shoulder about what's coming after us. And we run to the pastor and we say, Pastor, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Moses, I don't find where he responded to anybody. He just turns over and he raises the staff. But before he could raise the staff, God already began on bolting chariot wheels. And the chariot wheels begin to fall off. And they begin to get stranded in the middle of the Red Sea. And the Bible says all of a sudden they begin to run, trying to get back to safety. Because something clicked in the mind of these soldiers that day. And the Bible tells us, uh, amen, uh, and it came to pass in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 13. Uh, and it came to, I'm sorry, not that one. Uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 14 and verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon the horsemen. And if you back up to verse 25, was a scripture I had in mind. In verse 25, the Bible says, And the Lord took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Now this is the Egyptians taking notice of what's transpiring in this moment. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. I don't know if I'm going to get to my notes. This is, this is not the way that you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to take a text. You're supposed to pray and have sit. Everybody sit down. But I want you to think, when the enemy begins to realize where the attack comes from, think about it with me. You're going to go home, and you're going to see the things that you were dealing with before you got to church tonight. But what your situation didn't understand was what God you were going to encounter between the time you left it at home and the time you got back home. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, this is free of charge, all right? I'm wondering how many of you, when you walk in the door, your enemy's going to know the Lord's fighting my battle. Sorry, Sister Jasmine, I'm, I'm all over the place tonight. I want you to think with me. How is the enemy going to know who's fighting for you? What's your demeanor going to be like when you leave the house of God between the time you walk out the back door of this church, you sit down in your car, you crank that thing up, and you drive home, and you stick the key in the lock of the door, and you walk inside your house, What's going to be your demeanor when you step across the threshold into your home? Can I tell you, Pastor, if I'm out of line, you stop me. But I, I want to ask us tonight, and I've asked my church this, how many of us allow the devil to sit in the passenger seat of our car on the way home and steal our victory? I'm sick and tired of the devil, Brother Nelson. This week, our church has been doing some, uh, some fasting, and, and I've been challenging them to put some things aside, and, 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 and we've been seeing some wonderful things transpire. But I'll tell you what happens when you don't have social media on your phone. It's amazing how much more time you can uh, 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 
uh, put to prayer. It's amazing how much more time you can spend reading the Word of God. It's not just social media, it's anything. And I can tell you, I'm simple, Brother Nelson, very simple. So simple that I've, I've got to the place where I like to walk through the woods and talk to God. I enjoy it. And I've had some good conversations with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, when there's nobody, in fact, I've started leaving my phone in the house when I go on those walks because I don't want any distractions. And I'm telling you, God has so much in store for the church. Brothers and sisters, if you could wake up and realize the potential that we have sitting on these pews in this sanctuary tonight. I didn't come here to, to, to preach just feel-goodism, all right? I, I have a full set of notes in there that I, 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 wanted, I, I intended to preach, but, but I want you to understand, God wants us to know, but not just us to know, He wants all of hell to know who is fighting on behalf of the church. And I told our church the other night, I said, guess what? The devil believes stronger than you do when God says something. When God sets something in motion, hell begins to fear and to tremble. Because he knows when God says it, nothing can change the trajectory of things that God just set in motion. Because my God is still the God who said, let there be, and there was. I told you I'm simple, so if you don't like simple, I'm sorry. But I want you to understand, if you go back and you realize the God that we serve, and you also realize that he answers prayer, then that should make you want to fall on your face before God more and more and more and more. And before long, you're not having to push yourself to pray. <laughs> you can't wait. Sometimes you're going to beat the alarm up in the morning because you can't wait to talk to God anew and afresh this morning. Hallelujah. Man, The enemy realized who began to fight for Israel. The revelation came, and they tucked tail, and they took off running. But honey, do you know the rest of the story? They didn't get away. The people of God were watching and they saw as Moses raised his arms with the rod in his hand. And the waves came crashing in. And the Bible tells us that he completely obliterated those Egyptians that day. And Bishop, if I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected. But I have still yet to find after this 
where the Egyptians ever attacked the Israelites again. Ever attacked the Israelites. When God does something, he does it right. He doesn't do it halfway. And I'll tell you, I've been in some places, even in this sanctuary, where we fought some devils. But somehow they came back, creeping back in. I'm not saying that's what's happening now. But what I am telling you tonight is what I felt in the Holy Ghost. And this is where I don't know if we're going to get any further than this tonight. Because I'm telling you, I've been here when the preacher prophesied and said, are you going to let the band break? And we strove to break the band because we don't want it snapping back to what it used to be. I've been here when we've gotten victory over certain things. And I've seen the victory in the service. But months later, something happened and it began to creep back in. Bishop, that's where I got to be careful because I don't want to put words in God's mouth. But what I feel tonight, I feel like some people slain some giants. I feel like some people's cut off some giants' heads in their life. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, you, you got to understand, when you cut a giant's head off, he can't get back up off the ground. You understand what I'm talking about tonight? There's a victory, Brother Golf, that I feel surging in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and then I, I sat outside today as my family went inside to take a nap, and I began praying, God, help me to say something to help the church. And if all I say is a few more words from this point on, that's fine. But the, the, the scripture that I believe it was Joel prophesied, it was the former and the latter rain, he's going to send not just a little bit, but he's going to send it in full force. Amen. With all the rain that's going to bring forth the harvest, God said, I'm going to bring it forth. I think I've heard that, that message preached a few times around here. Amen. Let me tell you, my friend. Amen. Those giants that you put, that you took the heads off, you killed them. You've got the victory over them. Let me tell you, it's time to worship in victory tonight. Showed me a scripture a while ago, and I, I got to get to it. That passage of scripture, that prophecy came to mind as I sat down, started praying, and I couldn't get away from it. I, I came with a set of notes that I titled a long time ago Being Filled and Being Fervent. Amen. There's a power in being filled and being fervent. I'm not going to preach the message. I don't even feel that direction right now. But let me tell you something there was something about the church. When God filled him with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, it wasn't enough, Brother Nelson. 
until you get to Acts chapter 3 and they're going back to the house of the Lord to seek his face anew and afresh and to get a renewing in the Holy Ghost. And when they met somebody, I know I talked about it a few weeks ago, that was lame and they grabbed him by the right hand and he pulled him up and he went into the house of the Lord worshiping him and glorifying him. Amen. And then before long, thank you, sir. Amen. When he, before long, they, they went on into the tabernacle and into the temple and the people began to gather around wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden, Peter began to preach anew and afresh. And all of a sudden, the next thing we read, 5,000 people get the Holy Ghost. That's victory, my friend. Then you get to Acts chapter number 4 after they had been flogged and told not to preach in Jesus' name, brother self. And all of a sudden, you find them. They went and had a prayer meeting all over again. And the Bible said they were filled with boldness because they were filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. You can go from chapter to chapter in Acts. You can find where... They, they began to pray. Persecution came, and they prayed. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stephen, before he got stoned, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he began to preach in defense of the gospel. And they didn't like it, and they stoned him. Guess what happened? That stirred up Philip. He went down to Samaria. The next thing we find out, people are getting baptized left and right in Samaria. Peter and John show up, start laying hands on people, and they start getting the Holy Ghost. And then some church business had to be taken care of. And then, next thing we find, Acts chapter 10 actually, well, that other church business took care of afterwards as well. Cornelius is praying. You know the story. I'm, I'm giving you the clip notes version of everything I had put together. He had the story. God spoke to Cornelius to go, go get the preacher. Preacher's over. Simon and Tanner, he's sitting there sleeping, and God gives him a dream. And Peter begins to argue with God. The next thing we find, God said, quit arguing with me, boy, and get on over to Cornelius' house. So he went to Cornelius' house, and he began preaching. Now, I noticed this to, uh, today as I was going over these notes again. If you look in the book of Acts... The preacher preached, well, the first 120 got the Holy Ghost because they were seeking the face of God, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when they were all in one accord and in one place, the Holy Ghost fell. But the 3,000 didn't get the Holy Ghost until Peter preached to the crowd. And Peter finished preaching, and then they got the Holy Ghost, based on the way I read it. You go to Samaria. You go to Samaria. Philip had been preaching, I don't know how long Philip had been preaching, before Peter and John got there. But the message had been preached many times. And Peter got there after the message had been preached and began praying for people, and they got the Holy Ghost. But there was something different in Cornelius' situation. The preacher still preached, all right? But the preacher couldn't finish preaching because the people were so hungry. Because my Bible says, while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. 
and they spake with other tongues and prophesied. And the people that came with Peter were astonished because that they heard them speak in tongues just like they had. That's victory. You're going to say, well, Brother Hilton, I, I, there were different times back then. Yeah, it was. They were constantly being faced with persecution or death for preaching this gospel. How many of you have the police knocking on your door because you're preaching and teaching Jesus today? No, no. Let me tell you something. We have an opportunity that goes beyond anything that the apostles had the ability to do. Why? Because their hands weren't tied. Their hands were tied. Ours are not tied. The government was trying to shut them up left and right. Our government's not yet trying to shut us up. And we can still reach out and we can knock on doors and we can invite people to church and we can teach Bible studies. I still got the place. I'm, I'm, I'm not lost my place yet. Today, sorry, you got somebody that's got a whole bunch of stuff backed up, all right? It all's coming together, and, and God's given me revelation even yet as I preach, so here we go. I've been asking God for direction. God's been doing good things, but I've told, I've told our church, I, I'm of the opinion that a healthy church can't be a stagnant church. We can't be satisfied staying in one place. I'm going to say it again. A healthy church has got to be moving forward. We reach and we break through, then we're not satisfied until we reach another breakthrough again. You say, well, that's tiresome. Well, guess what? We're going to have an eternity to rest up. I'm a young preacher. <laughs> I'm still young. I'm not yet 40. <laughs> Woo. But God's doing some awesome things. Not just in Lacine, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is flowing in this place tonight. We've been talking about a victorious God. A few weeks ago, I began teaching about Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had been proclaiming, woe, woe is this, and woe are you, and this is going to happen, and this is the judgment that's coming, and whew, I went, and I looked, I mean, I don't have time to do all this, but I went and I looked and I studied. I had to go find Uzziah's life in the Bible and find out why it was so, such a travesty to have Uzziah pass. Uzziah was quite the king. I don't have time to go into all of it, but... I believe there is an absolute reason for every word that's put in that Bible. And I wonder, what in the world did this train have to do with anything? 
that filled the temple. And you know what? I found out that train was a representation of every victory that that king had ever won. And from what I could tell in the scripture, I don't know if it was scripture or if it was history that I found it in, but, but Uzziah didn't have a small train. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about as far as a train, I'm not talking about a choo-choo train, right? I did that at church the other night. My daughter about lost it. Uh, but the Bible's talking about the train, like the bride wears on her gown, or like Andriana had the other day, she had it flowing from her head down to the floor, and it covered the steps at the wedding. And That's the train we're talking about. But every king had a train. And the train, every victory that they would get would grow longer and longer and longer. And for what I found in the scripture, and I don't have time to teach all that, I'm trying to get to one point once I'm finished with this. And that is the train that Uzziah had was impressive. <laughs> Until Isaiah got into the presence of the Lord the year that King Uzziah died. The year he died. And no doubt he had known and probably even seen for himself that train that Uzziah would trail behind him. <laughs> but that day in the temple, Think about this for a minute. God revealed himself to Isaiah in a unique way. He said the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And his train filled the temple. Filled the temple. You're not getting what I'm saying. The temple was no small place. The chamber in which he was in was no small chamber from what I could find. That room was filled with the train of the Lord. What does that mean? That God's victories were revealed to Isaiah. And Isaiah began to realize, yeah, it's a horrible thing. We've lost such a great king as Uzziah. But that doesn't change who the God of Uzziah and the God of Isaiah and the God of Israel and the God of the true church in Olathe is. Somebody's got to get a revelation of the victorious God that we serve. You've got to understand, no matter how many devils in hell may try to come against us, amen, my God is victorious over all things. Human or spiritual or whatever may happen, financial, I don't care. God is victorious over all things. He's victorious. Ain't God all right? 
help me, Jesus. It's revelation settling in right now. Somebody's getting a revelation of what I'm talking about right now. I feel it. Somebody's realizing what I'm talking about right at this very moment. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. Come on, you got to hear this preacher. Let, let me say, being in Lacine and with all the things going on, working full time and pastoring and teaching Bible studies, I love it all. But it don't give me much time to keep up on the latest gossip around Olathe, right? I don't know what's going on. Me and Bishop don't talk about what's going on up here. We talk about old cars. I got his 25 parked in my shop, and we're trying to figure out how to get it running again. And it's fun. I'm having a blast. Let me tell you something. I said all that to say this. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, and I don't know what hell's brought your way. All I know is I'm a fat preacher that's out of wind. But I know this, I remember in a house off of 1431 Penrose Lane, my, I'm working a full-time job, my wife's working a full-time job, and we have to go, they don't call it food stamps, what do they call it now, WIC? Is that what they called it? We had to get WIC, because we couldn't provide for the family and everything that we could, that we were doing. I was working 40, 60 hours a week. And I'm not looking for something. I'm just telling you what's going on. And every month, Brother Josh, I tell you, it seemed like I couldn't pay all the bills. But somehow, every time I look at the budget and we try to pay the bills, God took care of it. It just don't know me. Y'all are talking about tithe, but I was going to say this anyway, all right? I want you to understand. You short God on your tithe, you may struggle some more than you should have. No matter how much, I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but I'm not, I I'm, I'm just want you to know however many times that it was that I had to look and it was either pay my electric bill or pay rent or pay my tithe. Let me tell you something, paying the tithe took precedence all over all of those things. I don't remember who I was talking to, but they said, you know, those blessings that you get from God, they're not the ones that you were expecting. They're the ones that you go and you go to pay the bill and you go one more time just hoping against hope that there was enough money in the bank to pay the bill. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And when you go look, now I've had this happen a few, quite a few times. I go look, Brother Self, and there's just enough. Just enough. <laughs> and I began thinking about it. I know I've talked about tithe. I know I've talked about victory. Can I talk about anything else tonight? Uh, but I want you to think about this. 
Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And this is what he told them. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know the, you know the, the prayer. But he didn't say, give me this month, this month's bread. Or this year, this year's bread. He said, today, this day, I just need enough food to eat this day. I want to tell somebody this tonight. When you can be satisfied with God providing your day-to-day needs, then the other blessings begin to trickle in. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get your hopes up. I'm telling you what I know from experience. When I came satisfied with the things that God did for me from day to day, and I realized I was getting too greedy by asking God, God, give me everything for this year. God, give me everything for this month. When I realized I can focus on God today, that way when I wake up in the morning, I focus on God that morning. And the next day that I wake up, I wake up and say, God, I just need you to send what I need for today. And I wake up in the next day and I say, God, here I am again. I need you to provide for me one more day. You gave me the life. You gave me the breath. And I know you're going to give me everything else that I need. My God is a victorious God. My God is a faithful God. Going all the way back to Egypt, the Egyptians, they realized who was fighting on their behalf. They realized what was transpiring in their life, yet it was short-lived. And the people of God realized what was going on at that very moment. And the waters came crashing in. And the people saw it. And they just sat back and folded their arms and said, my, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. Man, I can't believe you just did that, God. No. Can I put it this way? I know these ain't the words Moses said. But can I say it this way? Ain't God all right? Moses just began to sing. Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Get up out of your seat. Stand upon your feet. Shout praise with me. Ain't God all right? And Moses got to singing away, and he began to worship the Lord, and then Miriam come along, and she said, Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Let me tell you something. When you get a revelation of what God has done in your life, and the victory is just 
rot for your situation. My God deserves the highest praise. No matter what you, no matter what you look like, no matter what people may think, ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Amen. My God is faithful. My God is able. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. I said just stand to your feet. Musicians, come. I'm finished up here tonight. But I want you to understand. Man, if I had the breath that I have to make, make you understand how much, how excited I am to say what I'm saying tonight. Amen. I'm not skinny. I'm not as agile as I used to be. But, honey, my God is victorious. My God is faithful. My God is awesome. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Moses finished singing his song and Miriam began to sing her song uh, and the children of Israel began to join in uh, and they began to sing unto the Lord. Uh, amen. They began to worship God with all of their hearts uh, and God began to, he began to smell a sweet incense raisin from the other side of the Red Sea. I said all that to say this. Tonight, I, I want to always be careful when I say I feel like God said, so I'm just going to say this is what I feel in my heart, all right? That's right. But somebody's going to say, well, you're just trying to get on your father-in-law's good side, and you're just trying to hype up the church. Let me tell you something. That's the farthest thing I got in my mind, from my mind. I want you to understand, as I prayed today, it kept coming back, and I said, all right, God, they're just going to say, well, he's up here hyping us up again. No, let me tell you something. As I, as I went down off this platform to worship, God put this scripture in my, in my mind, and so I went and looked it up, and I looked and realized what Moses was doing after the water came crashing down, and what Miriam ended up doing when she saw the water was coming crashing in and I realized somebody's going to misunderstand what I'm about to say you got to understand there's still devils out there that are going to fight the church so maybe I'm wrong in my understanding but I think the way I've seen it happen in this church and the way I've seen it happen in our church is that the devils that have the most lasting effect are the ones that the church members allow in their lives to affect them. So when I say what I'm about to say, I want you to understand what devils I'm talking about. I said it a while ago, Brother Self, there have been some giants that have been put down. There have been giants in my own life that I've seen creep back up a few times because I didn't take them out. I got them down, but I didn't take them out. And they got back up. I'm not saying you're not going to struggle again, my friend. But what I'm saying, every effort that you've done, 
and put forth and every ounce of fasting and every prayer meeting that you put forth, I would say what I feel in my heart and my mind tonight is somebody has finally put down a giant that's never going to get back up. And it's time for you to be like Moses. And it's time for you to be like Miriam. And it's time to sing unto the Lord a new song, a song of victory, a song of praise, a song that says, hell, I don't care what you do. Here, my God has been victory, brought victory in my life. Hallelujah. If you believe what we're talking about tonight, can you gather around the front and can you begin to worship God?